Okay, interactive time here. If I say the words comfort food, go ahead and shout out your comfort food, mac and cheese online, go ahead and type it in. What? Pot pie. Pot pie. Mashed potatoes, lots of carbs here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be vulnerable here and share a little bit of, of mine, comfort food. When I'm sick, I gotta have noodle soup, with or without chicken. It's gotta be those egg noodles with chicken broth, right? When I was younger, and to be fair, sometimes this is just a craving kind of comfort food, SpaghettiOs, no judgment. No judgment. And I have mac and cheese on mine too. Very comforting, hot casserole kind of stuff. Or maybe it's in the aroma of the baked food that you have, the cookie, or in our house, and our neighbor can feel this too, it's the hickory smoke of the barbecue that Steve makes on the smoker. Those aromas just say, I'm home, I'm good, when he's smoking a brisket. It's a comfort, and we're not really imagining it. You know, you might think that makes me feel so good. The science of comfort food tells us that our brains reward us for some foods more than others, and that's based on the memories that we have of that. So they could be good or bad. I am not a peas person, all right? And that's based on a story that I'm not gonna share with you. But we have, when we smell or taste those foods, all those chemicals are released in our brain and they tell us you're comforted and you feel good. Memories trigger those reactions, good or bad. But we call it comfort food for a reason. We feel calm, we feel happy, we feel comforted. And today we're Continuing our series on unwrapped the gifts, the gifts of the gifts of Christmas, the gifts of Christmas. <laughs> it's already been a long morning, and today we're going to focus on the gift of comfort, the gift of comfort and of peace. From what do we need comfort, and where do we turn to get that comfort? And today we're going to talk about and read from the prophet Isaiah. Let me give you a little context in this. As creative biblical scholars uh, often do, they've broken this book of Isaiah into three very creatively named Isaiah 1, Isaiah 2, Isaiah 3. First Isaiah, second Isaiah, third Isaiah. The, the first Isaiah is from chapters 1 through 39. And this is a time before the people of Judah and the people of, of, of Israel that they are moved and exiled to Babylon. It's before that time. So in the, they're in this destructive time over the period of four kings that Isaiah has been uh, prophesying. And it contains oracles against God's own people, against uh, the Assyrian war that's going on at the time, oracles against the nations, like what are, what are we seeing is going to happen with all the nations, and oracles against a revolt which tried to overthrow Jerusalem but failed. All of this chaos going on in chapters 1 through 39 and oracles that are speaking into that. This is the Zion tradition that, that God is the king of heaven and earth, that Jerusalem or Zion is the city of God, 
and it's been chosen for this holy dwelling and that the Davidic kings are God's anointed ones, the vice regents here on earth. Very kingly and regent-like. And Isaiah assumed that God had founded Zion or Jerusalem, lived in it, and would ultimately save it. That's what's going on here. But Jerusalem must be purified before the city could be saved because God was not going to reside in the chaos that was there. Can you hear that? And maybe it doesn't necessarily jive with what we know is coming at Christmas, right? So second Isaiah, also known as Deutero-Isaiah, I kind of didn't mention that before because it wasn't part of the joke. (laughs) Verses 40 through 55 This is when they're actually exiled, and the people are living in Babylon. It's the end of the exile, and return is imminent at some point, but they're just thinking it's finished. Babylon is still the enemy. And the theme here in 2 Isaiah is the promise of deliverance rather than the threat of judgment. Hear the difference there? The theme is one of consolation. And then in 3rd Isaiah, it is after they return. So you have these three different sections, and our reading today is from 2nd Isaiah. It puts aside the blaming and accusing speech and bursts out instead in poetry and comfort and hope and joy. It doesn't speak of the destruction of Jerusalem or the temple or the collapse of the monarchy or the chaos or even the broken covenant of the past. It speaks to God's promise to us. All the other ways that the people have related to God have pretty much collapsed. But Isaiah here reminds them of God's promises and God's word that endures. This is one of the gifts of Advent, the gift of comfort and of peace. So let's hear these words spoken by the writer of 2nd Isaiah, starting with verse 1, verse 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak compassionately to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her compulsory service has ended, that her penalty has been paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This is for a grieving, futureless people. In the book of Lamentations, Jerusalem is personified. We see Jerusalem not as a city, but as a person. And the city is crying out to God to notice this suffering that has happened. But God apparently remains silent. And finally, here comes Isaiah sharing this consoling speech with the people. Comfort, comfort my people. And there's something here for all who would receive that gift of comfort. God speaks compassionately. The translation in Hebrew here is to speak to the heart. Speak to the heart of the people, to our heart. It's that feeling of comfort and peace we're looking for, that we've yearned for when we suffer. That comfort and feeling of peace we're seeking is to be found right inside of us, deep down in us, as we take that breath and feel those words that are proclaimed. Comfort, comfort, my people. That's us. 
God is saying, I'm here. And like the people outside of their homeland of Judah and the city of Jerusalem, God is here to speak comfort to these feelings that we have of loneliness or fear or illnesses. And here to remind us that whatever our past mistakes, whatever we feel about our worth in God's view, God is still here. There's a message for us in these verses today. Breathe deeply with me. In each breath, God is calling compassionately to us. I'm here. I'm still here. I never left. And then we continue on with verses 3 through 5, which we'll call the words of preparation, of what should we prepare as we return to Judah. A voice is crying out, clear the Lord's way in the desert. Make a level highway in the wilderness for our God. Every valley will be raised up and every mountain and hill will be flattened. Uneven ground will become level and rough terrain a valley plain. The Lord's glory will appear and all humanity will see it together. The Lord's mouth has commanded it. Be ready. Pastor Scott talked about it last week. Stay awake. The message of Advent, something is coming. It reminds me of the parable of Jesus' miracle. It's not a parable, it's a miracle, where a man comes and he's been paralyzed. He says, pick up your mat and be healed. That's what they're saying. That's what the Isaiah, writer of Isaiah is saying to the people here. Pick up your mats and walk. It's coming. The time has come to return, to remember flatten the mountains and smooth the highway and raise up the valleys. Remember, they're currently in Babylon. And to get to Jerusalem, they're going to need to travel from the east to Jerusalem over what you, what's called a rift valley. It's that area where water cuts through and there's a rift on one side. But in Jerusalem, in, in this area of the Jordan River, on the west side is Jericho and there are, there are uh, level plains before you get to the mountains. But on the other side, there are more rocky areas. And where they've been in Babylon, they're going to have to come through these rocky areas and level them. To come back to Jerusalem, you've got to get through all of those uh, rocks and hills and over mountains. The people are literally making a path back to Jerusalem through this rift valley, through all of their challenges. And Isaiah tells them that the Lord's glory will appear, which in Hebrew is translated as the presence of the Lord. In the midst of all this rockiness and instability and change, we have them too, don't we? Sometimes in the most unexpected times and then one thing on top of another. Again, the comfort the people will have the comfort we seek, it's in God's presence. There's a book that I've read called Eat, Pray, Love. It's by Elizabeth Gilbert. It's a movie too, but read the book. I promise you'll like it. And Elizabeth Gilbert is someone who's seeking comfort um, through finding her spirituality after a divorce. And she decides to travel to other countries and learn about this spirituality through food and through companionship that she has with new friends and different cultures. 
And she keeps a journal, a travel journal, and she's working through these problems that she has in recovering from the divorce or even seeking the divorce. And there's a section in the book where she talks to herself. And I read it several times, but I don't read it where she's talking to herself. I read it as God talking to us. Hear what it says. Amidst the rockiness and the muck and the challenges and the change. When our lives have been shattered or upended, I'm here. I love you. I don't care if you need to stay up crying all night long. I will stay with you. If you need the medication again, go ahead and take it. I will love you through that as well. If you don't need the medication, I will love you too. There's nothing you can ever do to lose my love. I will protect you until you die, and after your death, I will still protect you. I am stronger than depression, and I am braver than loneliness, and nothing will ever exhaust me. Our message here, as we take that breath, breathe deeply, and in each breath, imagine the rift valleys in our lives being leveled, and God calling to us, saying again, I'm here. I'm still here. I never left. And then we move to verses 6 through 8. The words about the word. A voice was saying, call out. And another said, what should I call out? All flesh is grass. All its loyalty is like the flowers of the field. The grass dries up and the flower withers when God's breath blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass dries up, the flowers wither, but our God's word will exist forever. More comfort. More comfort to us about the divine word which is steady. It's durable. It's got this reliable foreverness for us. We come around to it every year, every Advent. We read some of the similar passages and we start anew again. Everything else, grass, flowers, flesh, perish, but the word of our God will stand forever. But here's the distinction I want you to hear in this. It isn't just the word, like our language word. The word here is about divine promise that the promise that is real, that we can come back, that God's grace really is abundantly available. The comfort that we seek, that lasting divine comfort, it's in God's promise and God's promise of always being there. It's not like the grass, which can burn up in that excessive heat we had last year. It's not like the flowers that can fade and drop off. It's not like even comfort food that fills us for that short period of time. God's constancy, that's the gift of comfort. And so as we breathe again, breathe deeply and in each breath, really feel that promise of comfort and God calling to us saying, I'm here, I'm still here, I never left. And finally, the last three passages, 9 through 11. Go up on a high mountain, messenger Zion. Raise your voice and shout 
messenger Jerusalem. Raise it, don't be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Here is the Lord God coming with strength, with a triumphant arm, bringing his reward with him and his payment before him. Like a shepherd, God will tend the flock. He will gather lambs in his arms and lift them onto his lap. He will gently guide the nursing ewes. This new voice is calling out and calls to this herald to climb up on a mountain and say to the people around you, to the people that stayed in Judah, this herald, <coughs> excuse me, that herald that is Jerusalem, we as a people might ask, what do I even say? What do I cry out to people who are hurting? And the herald asks, what exactly do you fear? That no one will believe you? That the news that's coming is so up, uh, too uplifting to even imagine? That the world will change so much that we can't even imagine the hope of it? This herald shares the words, Behold, look, it's here. But the people are hearing this different message. And we do this today too. The people might be looking for this bloody avenger, this vindictive person, this brute of a person who is ready for paybacks for taking them out of their city for the time that they have spent in Babylon. Some people might even think this message is ridiculous, the people that were in Babylon, because sitting in that place for so long actually makes it seem like those other gods have won. But what is coming, what this herald is promising <coughs> and proclaiming is not that at all. What is coming, what is here is gentleness and presence and comfort. All those lambs that are scattered around Judah, <coughs> the people have come to pull them together and rebuild what has been lost. And what I like about this last part, what the herald says, is that they're calling us to gather around as well. And I've seen how that response from you, the people of AUMC, brings that comfort to others. Not just letting a person suffer alone. Maybe it's in a phone call, maybe it's in a visit. Maybe it's in a text or a card or even an email. But each of those can be comforted, comforting to a person receiving the message, you aren't alone and we love you. Maybe comfort can be found in food and, and it is often when the food comes from the Arapahoe meal ministry that Becca Wilkins so effectively manages, helping people through difficult times after surgery or even in the joy after the birth of a baby. What is coming, what is here is presence, your presence, being available for each other in very comforting ways. It's about us as a community and us comforting each other. It's hard to read again Last time I preached, I said these words. It's hard to read again from Isaiah without recognizing the war between Israel and Hamas. People being exiled in an in a awful place and wanting to go home. All of those stories still intersect today. 
And while today I've been talking about comfort and peace for ourselves, and even how we comfort those in our community here in North Texas, I mentioned before that the Herald shares, behold, look, it's here. The time of hope and peace, it's coming. But the people there are hearing a different message. It's a message spoken with bombs and capture and hostage and death. Is there even a peaceful message that can come out of a time of war? Well, a Lutheran church family in Bethlehem has found a way for a message. If there is comfort in the message from the people of the world, this is it. Rather than setting up the usual nativity scene with angels and shepherds and the holy family in a nice, neat manger and deeply feeling the effects, they've shut down Bethlehem this year. The celebrations and the lights and the pilgrimage to the town, this Lutheran church, this family of Palestinian Christians has reminded the world how to comfort the people in this conflict. What do we have in common with the people who are victims of this violence and conflict? We have a simple candle that in years past has represented peace and is lit on the second Sunday of Advent. But this year, we're being called to the highest mountain to shout to the victims, behold, look, we are here. We see your pain and your suffering, and we're here to tell you that God's word is eternal. We share compassionately by not lighting that candle of peace this year, not lighting because we know there is not peace in the Holy Land, but we're not canceling out hope. We're not canceling out comfort that we send to the suffering people. We're sending a message along with all the other churches in the world that we are here with you, remembering the divine eternal word and God's promise. We're here breathing with you. In each breath, God is calling compassionate to you, saying, I'm here, I'm still here. I never left. In each breath, we see those rocks and rubble and God calling, I'm here, I'm still here, I never left. And in each breath, we share the message of God saying to all of us around the world, I'm here, I'm still here, I never left. Martin Luther King shared this about the word of comfort and how it relates to us. The ultimate measure of a person is not where they stand in moments of comfort and convenience, but where they stand in times of challenge and controversy. The gift of comfort has never been about removing discomfort in our lives. It's not about avoiding things that are inconvenient that bring us security and peace. The true gift of comfort is given to us by the God we know is faithful, compassionate, and constant. One who comes to us in the muck and the rocks 
and the rocky world where all, can, all we can see is rubble. And maybe it's time this Advent season for us to find our own voice, to speak words and be the hands of comfort and confidence to anyone who feels that God cannot be found. God is here, and so are we. So are we. Amen.